Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Roundball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. Follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. This is Sports Ethos Presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online, sportsethos.com. Ladies and gentlemen, friends of all ages, basketball team affiliations, whatever, um, it's been a minute. I want to apologize. A nasty viral infection um, that came right after a big allergic reaction, just one thing after another, all affecting your voice. And when the thing you bring to the table is your podcasting, that could be a little bit of an issue, you know, not being able to, you know, talk can be uh, fun. So sorry about that. It won't happen again. We are starting, well, we're finishing this month and going into the next month and the season full steam ahead. Um, got some fun ideas down here to kind of cook up with Round Ball Ramble in terms of some NBA draft content and just some other fun um, segments and features I want to put on here. So just want to apologize by, by just want to start off rather by apologizing because yeah, it's not great. You know, do a pot, want to have a regular follow, want to be consistent, and you disappear for like two weeks. Yikes, not great. You know, but um, thank y'all for rocking with me. Really do appreciate y'all. All right, have a fun little show here for y'all today. Got my good friends Kelsey Wilkinson and Alicia Solomon- Solomonson. I think I said that right? They're friends of mine. I should know that. Yeah, I did. Anyways, we did another episode of Let's Ball Out, which, by the way, check out its own independent podcast feed, Let's Ball Out. Fun show. Three good friends who love basketball and have very healthy disagreements almost all the time. So definitely make sure to check it out. It's a fun episode. But um, in this one, we talk about kind of a recap of the season up to date, up to the date that we recorded as well as a panic meter segment on teams that haven't been performing as well. And what we think is the issue, whether they can climb out of it or not, what have you. And then we close it with just like our own little team check-in. And there's some fun mixed in, as always, with Let's Ball Out. So definitely make sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy that one. I will be back here um, real soon. Got a guest for a show coming up next. I got a couple solos myself coming on here. So there'll be a lot of basketball content. But again, thank y'all for rocking with me. I'm Frosty, y'all stay Frosty, and uh, sit back and enjoy. Let's ball out. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? We are back like we never left. It's been a minute, it's been a while, but it is Corbin, Alicia, and it's your boy, yours truly, Kelsley Wilkinson, in the house because we're ready to ball out just like the beginning of the season has been outstanding from in-season tournament to out-season tournament for the ups and downs, the pretenders, contenders, we have it all. What is going on, y'all? Uh, okay, <laughs> we can't we can't we can't top that, bro. Like that was that was the, the it was the in season for tennis, the out season. For, I'm I'm lost, buddy. I'm I'm lost off the rip. Got the splendor, <laughs> pretender, but, yeah. But we are back like cook craft. Okay, one thousand percent. We're definitely back. But um, what's going on? How's everybody been doing? It's been a minute. Good on this end, changing states. Um, trying to get acclimated, get settled in. Uh, basketball obviously came back in a rush, my Lakers and all the things there. So it's been up and down, but you know, can't complain. Life, life, you know, season, different season and adjusting to that, really. I feel that life is life in life, life be life in. Well, the season is going on and it's still early, obviously. Um, but I mean, there's so many different storylines from before or after, um, the start of the season, but what has caught your eye so far in the genesis of the 2023-2024 season? 
I mean, where do I start? We've missed so much and the season's already like in play. So I, I guess I'll start with the changes that have happened for, you know, Giannis in Milwaukee and obviously, you know, Kelsey, sorry. Uh, Dame never made it to Miami, but um, you know, Beal coming back last night, we first saw him in his first game with Phoenix and how that system is working with KD and, you know, just some of the overall changes as well with, I, I, I wanted to discuss with you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the Adam Silver interview with JJ Redick on his pod, um, but there was a quote that he had said, and I don't, I don't have the quote in front of me, but essentially paraphrasing what Adam Silver was saying was that he wanted to change how the NBA media covers basketball and he mm. wanted to be more like the NFL. And what I took from that, I, I can respect what he's saying because I understand watching the bigger market shows as in TNT and on ESPN, they don't get so in-depth with the basketball coverage and more of just the surface level and fluff of how basketball is being covered. And unless you know, you know, so unless you're uh, tuned in with JJ Redick and what he's doing over with his pod and now he has Nikias and Steve over there with the dunker spot. If you listen to Zach Lowe, if you listen to Tim Legler, like there's certain people who do cover basketball in a minute way that you can get all of the ins and outs of basketball coverage of what we want. But I think there is a lack and it, it it's just a disconnect. I don't know if it's just the network covering mm-hmm. these things, but um, because NFL Live, like that's a good product, I would say. Like if you're a football fan, you can watch NFL Live, no matter who's on from Marcus Spears to Don Orlovsky. Like they cover the game so in depth that it you get such an understanding of what you're watching on a week to week basis in, in football. And there's other sports that do coverage too, but I think with the NBA, sometimes when you have players um, of a certain caliber that are covering the game, this is no disrespect to the Shaqs and the Charles Barkley, but it can get very much, this guy has to play hard. This guy needs 28 and 17. Uh, You can't be shooting a lot of threes. Yeah, We know that you guys know the game much more. We want to know why this pick and pop didn't work. Why this uh, zone defense set up the way they did. Like we, I feel like that's the coverage more of what Adam Silver is talking about. Um, So I want your guys' perspective too on what possibly could they change in terms of just overall NBA coverage um, for mainstream media, because we have it in, you know, like I said, if you know, you know, there's certain people who cover the game really, really well. But I think as for mainstream casual people, how do we get that out there so that they can understand the game of basketball, not just, who made a shot and not like understanding what we're watching on the court. That's an interesting take Alicia. Um, because I guess, and it's not a bad thing. I guess you could say it's a blessing and a curse with the NBA. Cause it seems like a lot of the stuff that you would see on the mainstream, like the ESPNs of the world is more so like a reality TV show storyline type of deal. And it's always a story. It's not necessarily the ins and outs and schematics of, of, you know, of what makes these players great or what makes these teams great um, defensively, offensively. So the, the in-depth, and I know Kobe, um, rest his soul, and what he tried to do with his in-game in, in game, um, 
in-game uh, breakdown of different athletes and, and what makes them successful, um, I think that might be lacking. But at the same time, I mean, these storylines is what grabs the, the people that don't know the game of basketball, too. Like, I play basketball, so I understand different terminologies, um, different things that maybe the average Joe may not know. Um, and I think these little storylines help. I don't know. It's a blessing and a curse. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I get what Adam is saying. And it could be like even the James Harden situation and how that was kind of somewhat blown out of proportion. And then even to the point where the folks that are in the 76ers, like the Maxis of the world, they never even seen it as a distraction. It was more so the media that like, pumping out additional unnecessary things to kind of help, you know, facilitate their story or whatever storyline they want to get across. So, um, like stuff like that needs to go, but we do like the intrigue of that storyline uh, of just a team playing a former uh, pl uh, a player playing against a former team or something like that. I like the storyline, so I don't know. What do you think, Corbin? I kind of fall in the middle of both of you. I feel like. I mean, I feel like there's a place for all of it. Like I don't think one needs to go in the extent of the other. I just think there needs to be a balance. Like some of that stuff is entertaining, and basketball at the end of the day, to a certain extent, like it's entertainment, right? Um, and that's an element that needs to be there, whether it is discussing storylines. Now, it shouldn't be a whole hour of that, like NBA Today can be sometimes or something like that. But, you know, like there's an element of that that I'm interested in. If not, why do you play 2K for like GMO? Like you make up storylines, you make up things to go with that. You know, like it enhances the game. Otherwise, you're just playing basketball relent like just relentlessly, right? Um, I feel like also, I, I, I'm not going to name names here, but there's a lot of people who break the game down very well. And there's like, two or three especially popular folks that do and i'm just not gonna lie they're not entertaining like great you teach me the game and that's great you sound like a school teacher but like now you make it something that like i am actually interested in like drone on and on i don't mean that in a negative way because yes i do want to learn but like i also want to have entertainment and excitement and passion not just full of inside jokes and all this terminology that yes you're right we basketball people like scratch that like that's what we want you know and so we all watch the game. Should we all, you know, play the game? And so there's elements, like Kelsey said, I didn't play at his level per se, but like enough terminology to know different things and how actions are run and whatever the case may be. But like, I still want there to be some juice, some excitement, you know, like Kelsey can attest to it. When you, you know, are announcing the game, like I've heard some clips, like it brings the juice. Like, it's like, cool. Now he hit the game shot. Let's go. It's not, oh, and look at that beautiful screen assist to set up the, like, okay, that's great. I love it. There's a place for it. I just feel like there's a place for all of it. And I really get to have the discourse because we need one over the other. Because usually it's the one end saying about the other end. And it's like, no, like, I don't mind Charles playing who you play for. Like, half the time, so much transaction is almost like a meta commentary on the transactions in the league every year. It's become a life of its own, right? I don't mind that. I think it's kind of funny. Also, don't mind, you know, J.J. Reddick talking for 30 minutes about you know, some type of elaborate offensive scheme with Nikai's Duncan. Like, that is cool, too. I just think there needs to be a balance of the two. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I, I, yeah. I think a balance um, is important. Um, I definitely think a balance is important. Um, but I think if Adam Silver can find a way to continue the suspense, continue the drama, but put it in a, in a, in a more of a more positive light. I think I think that's what Adam Silver is really trying to, the message that he's trying to get across. He really wants to just cut off all of the, the negative, like the negative 
looming thing of players not playing enough like that narrative like getting trying to get rid of those type of things that are not necessarily about the game of basketball itself like he wants to get some of that that negative um publicity off of the nba that's how that's how i feel like he's trying to because there's no way the nba is juicy as it is I mean, I think the NBA is juicy as far as the storylines is concerned. I mean, just the Dame Lillard, how things quickly went to a whole left turn. <laughs> like, nobody expected it. And it really was a big F you to Miami. Like, that whole situation was very similar um, to um, Mitchell not going to New York and how Utah really had two big F U's to, to New York. Um, but that that's kind of given the intrigue, the excitement to the game. Because I'm excited to see... When playoffs do come, can Damian Lillard be able to pull it off? Um, which I don't think he will, but that's a conversation for, you know, another day. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes already. Pow, pow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But, um, but what but, last thing, last thing I would ahead. say is I, I obviously the M NBA has taken a life of its own and their product is different from the NFL. So I'm not expecting the same ex coverage for both mm. leagues and i think what you're saying with storyline being the storytelling of most of the league shows is what's going to bring in the audience is what's going to captivate them and keep them there for 30 minutes to an hour if you're a casual fan or somebody who's just watching and just wants background noise or you're like you're, you're intrigued in certain things like i said people who know know and so whatever content or whatever you know, coverage that you're looking for, you will find it out there because we're in the internet age. There's so much out there for you to consume. Uh, but what I will say is though, for some of the bigger shows out there, I would like to see a little bit less of the fluff and a little bit more of just something with substance. Because yes, even though we're covering storylines and we're covering stories, I think, and this is no shot, but some of the analysts that they have up there don't do a great job of doing that and these are former players and when you watch former players they always say well what gives you the right to cover this game what gives you the right to say x y and z and it's like but you're not even seeing anything of substance you know like sometimes i feel like it could be in an elitist game where a lot of the, uh, the older players or former players have with people who cover the game and watch the game so i think there's a lot that's of layers that are going on in there but i think that the coverage can be better for some of the bigger networks like ESPN or um, mm. TNT. Even though TNT has been a well-oiled machine for the past 20 years, I let them do what they do. Charles got 200 million for a reason. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm not even going to touch that. But I do think when we see other networks, they can do a better job of covering the game overall. That's just... That's it. Yeah. Well, I, I think we need more Jay Williams of the world. I think he's extremely articulate in how he breaks things down. No, guys. Oh, wow. The, I'm sorry. Oh, 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 no, no. Listen, and, 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 D, DJ Williams. Uh, I, I just, I'm sorry. Yeah. Jay Williams is an authentic person. I will say, from what I know about Jay Williams, like, he seems authentic, right? Huh? Oh, okay. He seems authentic. He seems like somebody who, um, you know, says what he feels regardless of that he shows some passion some emotion like i love that in an analyst he's also the person who said that um when emil doku was hired that he was the first head coach of color for the celtics which was hilarious to me because obviously like bill russell kind of 
brought to Barry, and that's like the biggest one. I'm just saying, like, like Jay Williams is a good, good guy, I, from what I know. Um, but I, I do not consider him like a stellar analyst. Now, is he better than like a Kendrick Perkins? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's, with the that's why I said there, there's levels of people who we watch. So, you know, from Jay to Kendrick Perkins to even Richard Jefferson, and yeah. you know that like there's levels to people who analyze the game and make it fun and make it well, you know, appointed to watch the game. But then there's some who I just feel like they just call them because their name was so big when they were playing and now yeah. they're you know doing this because it's a good side hustle so my i'll keep my i'll, I'll keep my yeah. commentary on certain people because we, we we can talk about behind the scenes but i just feel let's like fall out people, after dark that's what that yeah like. let's fall out after that dark sounds like a patreon thing right there <laughs> facts listen we need a paywall for that because i have some <laughs> thoughts straight up yeah mm -mm. No, I yeah, I agree. I just think, yeah, the amount of players who it's almost like players who become GMs, right? And like, oh, they were a great player, they'll be a great GM. No, that's not how it works, right? Same thing with like commentary analysis, all that. Like just because he played well or didn't play well. No, I think it's definitely something like Alicia said. There's there's some uh there's some nuance there, there's some stuff to pick apart. Probably not time to do with this show, but yeah. Jay Williams, listen, I respect it. I will say that I respect it, I disagree. But I respect. Okay, we're still talking about Jay Wills. Yeah, apologies. Had a very important phone call. <laughs> oh, and I had to answer. Uh, but no, I do want to say, and we're switching forward to a different topic. Uh, we we've seen the draft class. This is a draft class that um, is generational. We already know the big ten Victor women Yamas of the world, et cetera, et cetera. But the spur of young talent that's coming in. Now, I remember speaking last year that Anthony Edwards was going to have his breakout year. This was going to be the year, especially after, you know, what he's done against the Memphis Grizzlies and then bringing the Timberwolves to the playoffs, a team that rarely sees the playoffs. And he's going to be that next guy. And last year, he did not kind of things did not go to fruition, but he the flip definitely, definitely switched um, in, in the offseason um, coming into this season. And he's a dog. Uh, but let's talk about the young talent that is in this NBA. And it seems like the Jason Tatums of the world are now that almost that older class. Like we still have so much young talent, younger than, than Jason. But uh, yeah, who, who, who are players that you, you're really excited to see and flourish and grow um, that has caught your eye so far maybe this year? I mean, besides the obvious and Victor and just him being a rookie and him going through his ups and downs the last couple of games, which he's going to do for the rest of the year, uh, I say Detroit, Jalen Duran had a great start. Um, Cade went off last night as well. Like, That's I feel awesome like twins. a sore. And, like, I feel like there's a lot of um, young talent that are, it's just like they're on shit. I don't want to say shit. They're on crappy oh, yeah. teams. <laughs> okay. You you got what I was trying to say. <laughs> They're on crappy teams, so it's hard to like watch some of the offense that is happening because it's just like, bro, what is going on? But I think that they're figuring it out, and especially with a team like Detroit. Like I said early on, Jalen Duran was like shooting eighty percent from the field. He was just going to the rim, getting those shots up. I think Monty is going to do a great job. He got a big contract, obviously, for a couple of years. So he's going to be there, settle in for a while with that team. But I think Monty is a great 
coach and a person who can be able to kind of mold some of these young men into where they can be in the league in terms of their potential talent. Um, like you mentioned, Ant, I mean, Ant has been in the league for a couple of years now. So it's just like he is going to be ascended. And I feel like his game against Boston, mm-hmm. like when he just did it on both sides of the court, it's like, all right, now, like, no, nah, he's really Michael him. Jordan, like, he's I, really him. Like, I really think that Anthony Edwards can really be that guy for the next 10 years, um, especially for a team like Minnesota, who, you know, obviously they're going through a little bit of, um, I would say, identity and what they are oh, going to do. I'm so glad because, you said that. I was going to say identity crisis. Yeah. 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 Because when you see Rudy and Kat, and they're trying to make this Twin Tower thing work, which I don't think it will work long-term. I think that you have to really think about what do you want, how do you want Anthony to adjust moving forward? Like, he's going to be the key star. So what is the rest of the cast is going to look like behind him is what the GM and what that organization has to think of long-term. But Anthony Edwards is balling out of his mind. Um, I would say, who else? There is just a lot of... Jason Tatum is in that older category. I'm not even mm-hmm. going to put Jason Tatum in that. Jason Tatum is not young. Cam He's like Thomas. 25, 26. Cam, Cam Thomas. Oh, man. I went to the game last night. When I tell you Cam Thomas was taking over, Cam Thomas has – this started last season, though. This wasn't just this season. But Cam right. Thomas literally was just taking over the game. Um, I think that when they couldn't find an offensive scheme, Cam Thomas was just creating his shot and going. Like, he's just – dribbling, pulling up, like finding that space. He has Mm -hmm. such an awareness on the court, especially offensively, that it's really disappointing to see him go down the way he did. I hope that his ankle can get better um, in in good timing because he is the Nets offense at the end of the day. I think that he's one of those key players. I know that they are banking on Mikhail and whatever Ben Simmons is doing um, and also um, Cam, the other Cam. But uh, Cam Thomas is their guy moving forward, I think, for no, them. For and then also when they Claxton comes back, that can also be like a one-two punch that they can have with those two guys. But, yeah, it's it's definitely – and injuries are like – they're part of the game. But, yeah, I, those, those are I my hate, guys I, for now. Uh-huh. I hate to interrupt, but it's breaking news. So, um, Sham Sharani, apparently Cam Thomas expects to miss two weeks with uh, a left ankle sprain. So – okay. Literally yeah. just came in. A second not, ago. That, not, 20, not really, especially. I mean, for Brooklyn, that team that really wasn't going anywhere fast, in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see how their offense runs without him, because, like you said, he has been their offense. He's averaging twenty six point nine points per game, um, which is insane, like absolutely insane. Dude gets buckets. Um, so I, I definitely just want to put that in there while it dropped. Like that was like wow. But um, speaking of like scores, I mean Edwards. The fact that dude is twenty two. Like you said, and has been ascending. The dude has averaged 27.9 points per game, along with five rebounds, six assists on 51, 43, 82 shooting splits. Mm, like the dude's mm. on fire. Like you said, Alicia, with that game against the Celtics, like he's taking over entire stretches. Like you said, dominating, like you said, Kelsey, like the like since Jordan. I, I would say Kobe or Monte Ellis. I'm just kidding about Ellis. Anyway, like, uh, you know, just taking <laughs> just taking over stretches. Well, well, we we could talk that about shot, the taking right over practice, yes, but it's really that deep. The way he takes pride in defense, you see him locking down. He does. He wants to guard Tatum in that moment. It's those things on the other end that makes me have 
think of no Kobe Bryant was the excellent perimeter defender. Don't get me twisted. Um, but, but when it comes to Jordan, I mean, there's just something different. And he kind of he has like the little uh thing around his calf or whatever, you know, almost kind of yeah, they got the like face split thing know, done before. We've seen know. it, the fadeaways around the baseline. And his his explosiveness. That's the next thing. See, Kobe, Kobe was 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 bouncy, but I think Kobe was more of a Feel like he was more of a one foot jumper. I feel like Anthony Edwards, he's so explosive off of two. Cam Thomas is extremely explosive off of two, which helps as a basketball player. When you fall, when you finish off of two, you're more balanced. Therefore, your percentage of making the basket or concentrating um, close increases exponentially. Um, and I think that's what I really like about Cam Thomas is that that potential that is able to be unlocked. He's gonna be a special, special, special talent. Like I want to see him go to a team like San Antonio. Ironically enough, and link up with Victor and let those two players take over the NBA. That's such a weird take for me saying that out loud, but um, yeah, <laughs> that is wild to hear you say that. But no, yeah, like I, I definitely <laughs> see that. No, one hundred percent. Well, but thinking of speaking of um, young talents. You have young teams. We have the San Antonio Spurs. We have the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets is a team that is intriguing to me because they have new, they have new, um, new head coach, um, and this is the start where I'm thinking. Of, I'm looking at this Houston Rockets team as the San, not San Antonio, Sacramento Kings of last year in the beginning, the genesis, new head coach. They have a cultivate, they have young talent. The only thing is with Houston is they're so much younger than Sacramento. Sacramento, like Darren Fox was like, what? He was probably like 26, 25, give or take last year. I'm yeah. not sure how old he yeah, is Yeah, 25, now. 26. So they're, yeah. they're a little bit more seasoned. So, but but they 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 got a lot of young guns and adding Van, um, Van Fleet and even Brooks, you know, as uh, antagonistic as he is, starting to develop a culture. I think we're starting to see a culture slowly develop in Houston that I like. And I also like San Antonio because San Antonio, they're going to be a very, very special team in the future for sure for so many different reasons. But Houston has my eye for at least this year to watch for. Um, but what what young team is, is sticking out to you guys? Well, quickly on Houston, I'm glad that they removed themselves from the Kevin Porter Jr. fiasco that was occurring, not just from this past offseason, but since he's really gotten there. And I think with them coddling, I would say mostly the situation with him for the past couple of seasons and how that really affected their team and infected their team and their culture, I'm glad that he's gone so that they can move on to develop the Jalen Greens of the world and have guys like a Dylan Brooks, even though he can be a little whatever. Um, <laughs> like people who have pedigree and Fred Van Vliet, who's won a championship before and has been to those kind of heights, can kind of help that team develop and be who they are to be whatever that what that would be in the league. Um so yeah, shout out to Houston for getting it right finally and making a stride to better their young guys and have some kind of stability in that organization. Uh, I would say for young teams, it's so early on. Like I said, I'm I'm big on Detroit. Um, San Antonio is going to be San Antonio. 
Like they have Pop there for another couple of seasons. I really thought Pop was going to retire. And I know once they got Victor, he was like, oh, all yeah. right, I'm back again. Like, you know, let's go. Let's let's run it back. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to coach this guy and also to just develop him into that system that they've had for the past 25 years. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how that goes on moving forward. Um, Utah has a good coach in Will Hardy. How that works moving forward and where they're going to go, like where they're going to be ending up playing, not, you know, being, you know, lower in in the Western Conference, who knows, but I think they have a good uh, foundation in Utah going on as well. So some of those teams I'll keep my eye on for the most part. I feel like it's so early on. First 20 games of the season, I'm kind of looking at specifically what my team is doing and how that trajectory is going to go. And then also relax because your team is not that great. So uh, hold on. I'm looking at the (laughs) team second time is coming. You're not. But uh, (laughs) um, I would say I'm just looking at the the first 20 games, though, and how this is going to play out. We we haven't even played uh, 10 games yet in the league for the most part, but most of these guys. So um, once we get past Thanksgiving and closer to Christmas, obviously, and when the season really starts, I would say it's like we get to see who teams are moving forward in the next couple of weeks moving forward. Yeah, I just want to shout one team. Um, they've been interesting. They haven't been playing well, but we didn't expect them to be. But Charlotte, um, Mellow Ball went off on a horrible like shooting start. He's gotten a little bit better. Um, Thirty point triple double like the last couple of games. But the guy I really want to focus on is Brandon Miller. Um, I was not having his selection um, at two. I really thought Scoot should have been there, even though. You know, I understand point guards, NBA, first year, rough, right? First two to three years can be rough. But I really thought that um, Scoot Henderson was a better fit with um, LaMelo Ball than Brandon Miller was. I thought Brandon Miller, like, is a decent, you know, wait, like, he's fine. I just didn't see number two potential out of him. But, uh, I well, I mean, his numbers don't look super great, 44% from the field, 32% from three. Um, but he is giving you 13 points and five rebounds a game, Right. Like, he is kind of contributing in that way. Uh, he's making the case to start. I think he will be starting for Charlotte soon. So that is something as well um, to point out. And so someone making an immediate impact, like, yeah, time will tell. It's still, like you said, Lisa, really early to figure out, like, you know, okay, what team is shaping up as the best young core or whatever the case may be. But that's a guy I definitely have my eye on because he's definitely been producing, which as a rookie is something. Um, the second guy I wanted to shout out was um, plays in New Orleans. And that – was one Jordan Hawkins, who is averaging 12 points, four rebounds, and assists per game. But just a piece of random note, only him, only two rookies have scored 30-plus points so far. And that's both Jordan Hawkins and, of course, Victor Wembanyama. So, like, he's been making an impact, too, on a New Orleans Pelicans team that, you know, not, you know, just let me know if you heard this before, they've been dealing with injuries. So, sure. you know, yeah, like, <laughs> for someone, again, to step in that was really kind of looked at as, like, a one-dimensional shooter, he can do a little bit off of like, you know, a closeout or something, but just a shooter to come in and just get buckets as a rookie immediately for a team that has some aspirations for playoff goals. Not bad. So like I said, a little early, but those are two players I want to shout out. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, the man, the biggest disappointment of the season so far. And I think this is probably more of a, Bigger of a more of a punishment than anything, seeing and watching a team that was supposed to be and have so much high expectations um, since this young man got drafted and know that you can't do anything in John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. He just beat them last night. 
Um, Desmond Bain, he's playing on a uh, f off. Um, he's playing on, a, on another level. Uh, but to see them start out one and seven, just as that a shows how big of an impact, somewhat to a certain extent, John Moran, but also Stephen Adams too, because obviously that is their anchor. He is the dad of the team. But mm-hmm. um, but man, Dylan Brooks, that, Dylan Brooks too. Yes, but no. numbers in Houston. He was a big Be- part of their culture. I, I hear better you, for but adding that's what adding Marcus Smart kind of kind of helps mitigate that. You know what I mean? You, you would hope so, but you saw Marcus Smart almost cry after they lost that Blazers team. Like he is not used to losing on a level He's like depressed. this. I feel so bad for him. And the, the NBA <laughs> is a certain condition. Yeah, that is rough. Um, but what what is what is your take on, on the one and seven or one and eight? I'm not sure what the heat put them to, but I just know they only have one win. Um, the Grizzlies that are not <laughs> they're everybody's poking the bear. No, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, they're one and seven right now. And I think like you said, they're missing a lot of their core guys. Obviously, John Moran is the biggest one, but I think with everything that they went through in the last season and a half with John Morant's situation and then of course changing out the guys I don't know really where the disconnect started like to be honest like either because they were all in on John Morant after the whole situation had happened everyone had his back said the right things um and then obviously you get over the uh the summer Stephen Adams injury and then also them changing out Dylan Brooks to Marcus Smart and that whole Dylan Brooks situation how it ended was kind yeah. of crappy like it, it kind of went under the radar and then all of a sudden you know Marcus Smart got traded but uh I really am trying to figure out what the disconnect is because for everything that we're saying for the Grizzlies when John Morant was missing games oh we all had a, a they were 21 and 3 they were 20 22 true. and they, they everybody's fine without John Morant. Like they're mm-hmm. still rocking and rolling and they still have their identity for the most part. And they, and they're playing as a team. So for all of that, and for now them to be in the position that they're in where they can't win games, they can't close out, or they're not even in games to even have that position to close out. It's kind of like, what, what is going on down there? Like what is happening for them to have such a far disconnect? And I, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> to be before, honest, like even you go, though the change, go ahead. I'm sorry. Even though the change with uh, Marcus Smart happened, I feel like Marcus Smart has always been probably the second or third guy on the team. He mm-hmm. has not had that opportunity probably since college to be that main star on a team. Mm-hmm. Is that even his role in the league now? Like, I, right. yeah, he won Defensive Player of the Year, but I don't think that's his role moving forward. So there's a lot that has to change and obviously John Morant coming back in the next couple of weeks or maybe in the next month and a half that'll change you know how they play but yeah I think once John comes back we'll kind of see what team they will be because I was going to ask you um about the panic meter um you made you said a, a compelling statement like last year they were okay without him this year they're not um, so is it, do we panic? Is it a panic meter? I know he's going to be coming back with still about a good three fourths with the, the season to play. Um, but is it too early to panic or, or we should really start like be worried here? Panic may be an overstatement, but you are a little concerned. Your eyes, you like, you do a little 
You know, you have a little eyebrow yeah. raise. Like, what, what the hell is going on here? Because, like I said, the past season and a half when John Morant was injured before yeah. he got into his situations, we were all praising them for even having the same kind of identity without John Morant. Like, they were playing so well. And obviously, like I said, Stephen Adams being out and pieces being out are a, an issue. But you still have Jaron Jackson. What? What's up? Yeah. Like, where are you at, my boy? Like, you're supposed to be defensive player of the year. You're supposed to be that anchor. You're supposed to be that second guy. And so yeah. you need to be the one that's stepping up in yep. in, in slew of John Morant being out. So Instead that's also Bain. concerning. Yeah, like, there's a lot of pieces that are still on that team that were there when they were still winning. You know, when they were all doing the gritty on the sideline and running around and having all this fun. Yeah. Where y'all at? Yeah. Yeah. Corbin. I will say there's one big thing about that that kind of goes under the gun, but like they have one of the best backup point guards in the league, like for the past like five that years. Is true. Tyus Jones. That is so, like, true. So like Tyus Jones, his numbers, I mean, even, even though Washington ain't doing nothing, but that's I was about to say, even on a god awful Washington team, if you look at his numbers, he's averaging nine points, five assists, shooting 46% from the field and 37% from three on this Washington team. Like, he's just a solid all-around guy. Now, yeah, he can't turn chicken ish into chicken salad because otherwise Washington would be better than they are. But what he can do is obviously bring his st- same steady numbers, you know, solid shooting clip, and keep that afloat. Now, granted, doesn't go against anything about Jaron Jackson stepping up, anything about the rest of that team kind of coming together, and the fact that Marcus Smart is, like, not crap as a player. He's a very solid player. So, like, that's just out the window. But I do want to give Tyus Jones a shout because, like, Everyone brought that up, even when they were winning. Like, oh, the Grizz are all that. I'm like, yeah, they are. Okay. But, like, Ty Jones was, like, kind of that stabilizing force. He'd been there the last four years or five years, rather. You know what I mean? So, I feel like that loss is bigger than people thought. But um, aside from that, yeah, like, I'm panicking a little bit. I mean, they're on – and mind you, I just feel like a lot of this is just on them. Like, they went the route of going with young players, right? And – we were all up on their well, nope, I'm not gonna say we were all excited about the Grizzlies front office in terms of like the way they drafted all the young guys and they're intriguing. Oh my goodness, like the best collection of young talent, and all this other things, right? They probably hadn't heard that once or twice. But the point being is now it's time for them to play, right? And it's almost like we talked the whole thing about the Golden State Warriors two timelines. How'd that turn out? Like, there needs to be someone to give a balance there. Some of these guys are already like Zaire Williams has been actually putting up decent numbers. He's not a starter, like that's not his thing. He's pressing the service there, but a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, Zaire Williams and this and this and all these players that if you say their name, it sounds really good. David Roddy and Santi Aldama, solid players again, but now they're putting roles that are bigger than they were expected to hold. And yeah, and we're talking about the list of draft picks they made the last couple of years. Just sheer naming out names is great, but when it's time for them to play, we just name it out names. And so I think that's the issue as well. Like the depth that has been so talked about, yeah, even with massive injuries, right? Like, at the end of the day, you lose a Brandon Clark, you lose a Steven Adams, you lose a John Moran. Yeah, I don't expect you to Rose right. hurt? I think he was. I think he had, like, an ankle thing. Let me check. But even then, like, Derrick Rose is not that guy to be playing that. Like, I, no, no, for sure. You know? Yeah, like, he's, sure. yeah. I'm just curious. Um, but no, he, I haven't heard he, is, um, he has a knee injury. Okay. Gotcha. So he's at least We're expected gonna say knee injury. That's what they're saying. Yeah, left knee soreness, missed the last three games. Um, but I mean, he's been what 17 minutes a game, 34, 32% from the field. Like, like rough. not from three, just from the field. Like he's rough, you know. And mind you, he's 34. Like, I get it. And he's one of those guys I thought with athleticism, when it fell off, it was gonna fall off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it sort of has, especially with injury. But bottom line, I, I would be slightly panicked. I just think we all kind of saw this. You know, John Murray missed 25 games, like. 
he brings a dynamic like ability to the roster that they lack without him in a major way, whether it's putting pressure at the rim, whether it's opening shots up for others, you know, being a volume scorer, you know, that the Grizzlies don't have. And, and all due respect to Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bay is playing out of his mind, but without it, they're kind of lost. So I don't expect them to make the playoffs. I think this hit is a lot. You know, so how, how let me let me phrase this hypothetical for you guys. We saw what happened with Golden State last year, and, and we're seeing a difference between teams from last year and this year. And the biggest difference is Jordan Poole is no longer with the organization. And that kind of was like that cancer that needed to be removed in order for the organization to thrive again. Um I just lost train trend, thought that was crazy. Um <laughs> As you lost your train of thought, um, I, I think cancer is a strong word for Jordan Poole. I was also just because say that. it uh, was yeah. not him; it was more Draymond. The situation. It's a situation. The, situ- the situation. Well, the situation which was not caused by him, I would say. Like we have to be careful with our words. Okay. It All was right. not him being a cancer, but I think there was a situation overall that did cause a dissension, obviously with chemistry from the start to the finish. Right. So then moving forward with the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm almost wondering, right, they rallied around John Morant last year when he got initially suspended, the team was thriving, et cetera, et cetera. But this second time around, doing something so just not smart in the moment, I'm wondering if that's kind of looming over. Between that, then you have a guy in Marcus Smart that just left from – his best friends, the only organization that he knows, the, he, literally days before he got traded, or if not hours, saying how much he loves to be in the green, then, then he gets traded. So he's somewhat not necessarily happy. I'm wondering if it's a, a a perfect storm for a disaster for the Memphis Grizzlies. But I'm really more so with the John Moran situation. I'm wondering if that kind of changed the, the temperature in the locker room. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I think once you had the first situation that happened mid-season and everyone rallied behind him and, you know, he went to his 10-day therapy session and he got better and he came back and they were still supporting him. And then we see another situation happen again. It's like, all right, buddy, like at some <laughs> point we got to have you take responsibility because you are our franchise player moving forward and you're supposed to be helping lead the troops you know what i mean jaron jackson is not too far behind in age of him if not the same age close to it so he's still dealing with being mature and who he is as a player but i think that if your head is not at the at a great spot mentally and you're still in that immaturity phase that can trickle down onto the other people that are around you and obviously like we said with dylan brooks being he wasn't the most mature player I, w- I would say you know he wasn't the uh end all be all for that kind of face of maturity in that locker room as well so there were a lot of people around that even though it wasn't the m- most mature place like they still came together as a unit and worked on that and still was able to flourish if, even in the midst of the nonsense that they were creating themselves So I think that it is, like you said, a perfect storm, but they have to figure out how to now navigate beyond that. How can you show moving forward who you guys are and not as people or whatever, 
But who you guys are as players moving forward, where are you guys going to expand your game? What did you guys work on in the offseason that helps to, you know, translate into the end season? What are you doing as a coach and your coaching staff that's helping to implement these guys play better and, and have a, a system and a, an identity on who they are, even without John Morant? Like, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of questions that are happening with them as a unit. Coordinating the last words. Agreed. I think there's a few things that have to be like taken down, retooled, all of that. And right now, like, you know, here they are. And as it stands, I think that they will be kind of on the outside looking in. I think that's just holding too big, you know, for them to kind of make up ground on it. Well, um, shifting shifting to our teams here um, in the offseason, we thought that we would all be in different – well, I wouldn't even say all. I know me and Corbin thought we would be in different situations right now in regards of Lakers. They made a slew of moves in the offseason to kind of help forward what was a pretty successful end of last year. The Miami Heat were positioning themselves to not only – capitalized off of making it to the phones, even though they got that ass waxed by the Nuggets. But then to add a caliber, an MVP, a Hall of Fame soon to be in Dame Lillard. (laughs) And um, so far, the Heat don't have that. And the Lakers don't look like them either. And then with the Knicks, we always knew who they were. Julius Randle, when you still have him on part of your team and he's really like almost your number one option, you're never going to survive. Jalen Brunson, I mean, I love him. And and he's going to be that force that's going to take the Knicks to the next level. But as as Randle is still there, (laughs) Randle is still there. There's there's nothing that's going to happen for the Knicks. But let's go over because this is not crying. We're not crying over here. Lakers, Lakers Nation, um, L.A. stand up. Uh, Corbin, talk about your Lakers and, and how you feel about the state of your team right now. Um, I do not feel good. Um, I can say that. I think that, yes, injuries have been a big deal. Um, I think you have, you know, the loss of at least for the, the time we've had for almost three games. You had Rui Hachimura out with concussion protocol. Gabe Benson's been out with knee with a knee um, injury. He'll be out for a few more weeks. Like, those are people that were brought in to play, you know, kind of major roles. Torian Prince yeah. missed a game, and Torian Prince is somebody that's, you know, kind of important as well so like it's one of those things where that's been bad and like i don't want to understate it but at the same time like let's keep it a buck like they're just not playing well you know like it's not even about injuries are a big deal yes but like the performance they had against houston rockets what two nights ago was was kind of sad um it was like there was no effort there Exactly. Yeah, it was last and, night, by the way. Just oh well, I said that because by the time we drop this, see, this is the producer. Uh, oh, okay, for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, fault. yeah. <laughs> you well, good. we'll say Wednesday for the record. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> but nah. But anyways, like the level of energy, the level of effort just hasn't been there. That's been the thing. The level of urgency is probably the bigger word. Like I'm one. What happened to the team that went 14-6 the second half of the season? What happened to the team that you know? went all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, it's, by all accounts, a better roster than it was then. But what happened? I think the lack of urgency is there. For, for you know, let's not forget the fact that AD's injured again. Um, abductor injury that, like, we got five games. That's great. Yeah. But, like, you know, this is not great so far. It reminds me of the Golden State Warriors without having, like, a traumatic offseason incident over the team and that they are okay at home. Like, they can't lose at home so far. They can't win a game on the road. 
Oh and five on the road. Oh three and zero at home. Like that's not great, you know. You um, guys will get there. The Heat got their first road victory yesterday, so I mean everything, anything is possible. So. I mean, yeah, the Blazers are coming up. The Blazers are coming up. Just forget the game they play against the Suns. But like, like that's a thing. But I just think that's like the biggest issue. But also, like, let's be real. You know, Austin Reeves, so high on Austin Reeves. We all, everybody was high on Austin Reeves. He's not had a great start to the season. Like we all just naturally assumed that he was just going to step up and get better. There's even some Austin Reeves all-star talks. Happy to say I was not one of them. But, like, there was some talks about that coming in the season. Like, it just took on a life of its own. The problem is, like, okay, now you're a known quantity in the NBA. Like, teams are scouting for you. And, yes, you were a skill-based player, and you know how to get to your spots, but you're not getting those fouls you were getting last year. You know, you're not drawing those same looks like you were. Your shot's not going down the way it was. You're playing heavier minutes, sick and better for guards, because you have to. Because it's either you or D'Lo. Um, on a team that's Torian Prince, LeBron James, and AD. They're not sticking those guards, you know? Mm-hmm. There's nobody chasing around Jamal Murray like that, you know, going with Desmond Bain, Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, you know? Like, that's not happening. That's on you now. And, and the same with D'Lo, who's been like, I love D'Lo, man. I really want his Lakers tenure to end up well this second time around. But I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's not looking great. Um, but, yeah, when neither of those guys can buy a bucket. LeBron, we make this big to-do about a minutes restriction and never touch it again because we need him on the court to win. 100%. Like, or even have a chance to win, rather. Um, and then AD being injured, it's like we running it back last season, at least the first half. Mm-hmm. I'm being a little dramatic, but at the end of the day, like, this is a tougher Western Conference. You know what I mean? Like, it's a tougher Western Conference than it was last year. And, yes, injuries are affected. Most people, I think, the Lakers will still stay in it because, like, the Suns have been out of it, you know? And the Nuggets just lost Jamal Murray for about a month. And the yeah. Clippers just lost their backup center for about, you know, another month and a half, two months. So, like, there's going to be injuries that affect this that I feel like it will be kind of even if you look at the Pelicans, things like that. But you still want to play that game. Like, you don't want to play that game, especially when at full strength, you weren't looking amazing. All right. Well, I got two questions. First, um, where do you think they're going to finish in the West? I'm going to say sixth. I have them in fourth. But I don't know – how long the injuries will last. And also I didn't expect them to be as rough out the gate as they've been. Um, So I'm looking at six. I'm still looking at in the play in, I mean, safely like outside the play in situation. Um, That remains to be seen. I guess that can change. Okay. Well, and then last but not least, um, just, you can just say yes or no question. Um, Does Austin Reeves have a higher ceiling than Tyler Hero? Yes. Oh, delusional. All right. Go on, oh. Alicia. That's crazy. We're not Why would you – well, wait, 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 wait. Why but would you – I mean, Austin Reeves does – well, okay, I can't say it this year. Why would you ask an intentionally inflammatory question like that right now? Like, Tyler Hero is one-dimensional to me. Like, he's a very – But I don't. Like, <laughs> like – or you you admit that I'm right because I – he no. All right, let me, let me say this. Let me say this. It's too early to tell. Not even close. Um, cause we I saw what we saw what Hero did in his second year. Stop it. Finals 2020. Let's not even go. There. I mean, he averaged 15 points and five assists. Like, I'm I'm sorry, you play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Like, you on a weaker Eastern Conference. Good, you can mean mug and everything. What happened in the finals, by the way? The Lakers anyway. beat the Heat. Yeah. Yes. So, like, we say that like he did a whole lot. He kind of disappeared in the postseason that year, anyway. The question was Austin Reeves and Tyler Hero. Don't know where Lakers versus Heat got into the. Well, well you mentioned you, you threw in a finals run like that meant something. It, like it like, does. In the play, he averaged nine. Okay, in that season, he went from averaging almost sorry, 15 points a game I'm to so nine. Sorry. His efficiency cratered. Like. Yeah. Oh, that was the next year. My bad. That was the sweep when they got stopped by the bus. My bad. No, you actually did good in the playoffs this first year. 
But oh, like wow, since then, twelve points a game in the postseason. Like I mean, that's no, that's oh. Austin Reeves numbers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and Austin Reeves, I might add, is in his third year. Like yeah. I tell you, he's in his fifth. So yeah. I'm he, just saying, I mean, like, hold on. it's not too early granted, to tell. Not not granted. They finished the season in October and then started the season again in like what January if or December. So okay, they so have like, still has an extra got, season over Reeves. Okay. This is Reeves' third season right now. You got All it. I'm I, say, I, no, hey, no, you no. said what you said. I heard you. No, no, we, no. we have recorded. We have recorded <laughs> at the 49 minute mark. Alicia, um, your New York Knickerbockers, the Knicks, um, uh, got to the playoffs last year. Um, lost to the Miami Heat. Um, you know, the Heat and the Knicks, they share a rivalry. We all know all of this. But coming into this year, um, we talked about it many times last year. It started to seem like they're, they're, they're developing their own culture. They're starting to see some type of identity with the New York Knicks. But what do you think personally, you know, with the start so far um, with the Knicks this year? Um, I think like you mentioned, the start off with the- – one of the main focal points is Julius Randle Randle and his struggles and how just, you know, he said all the right things coming into the season. He said that he was mentally there, physically there, but when you watch him play, it's hard to see that he is mentally there. He's just, yes, I I do think Randle is, is trash at this point. And I mean, I always was on the, the, the side of giving up Julius Randle. Like I've been, on that train, pushing it as a conductor since the past season and a half. I feel mm-hmm. like once he went against the fans and, you know, did all, all all of that kind of stuff in like a season and a half ago, I was like off this guy because you can't be that guy and have that kind of response in this market, number one, but you can't also have the results that he was having and still have that kind of tone and remarks that he did at that point. So I was really off Randall from that point on, but I was still giving him a chance because I obviously thought that bringing more pieces around him and having some more of a, uh, a substance and sustainability around him would probably elevate him. Now he has had injuries that he's dealt with, but I think that coming into this season, he just hasn't played well at a lot of points. I think that (laughs) I see the, uh, 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 a flyer like um it, was, it wasn't a meme but it was just like something that was like this boy's on tour and all of his field goal percentages were like 420 519 427 and it's like son what is going on here your offense is trash defensively you're not there you're missing spots and as for much Jalen Brunson praises that I have given him since he's gotten here, and obviously he's carried this offense to a certain point, you know, he's been that guy since he left Dallas, obviously, and came to New York. I just think that he can't do it alone. And we're such in a good space as an organization that we haven't been in a very long time. I just think that it's time to move on from Julius. I don't know where we go from here. I'm not as delusional as some people who try to stay big and Joel Embiid. I'm not even going to say Carl Anthony Towns because I think I've heard that too much. And I want to kill that right now here and there and say it out for the Lord to hear me. Please do not bring Carl Anthony Towns back to New York. I do not want to see it. He is not that guy to replace Julius Randle. But we have so many other good pieces that are also not playing well. I think at points where Julius lacks, you know, 
we have Dante DiVincenzo for a reason. We have Josh Hart for a reason. Like some of these guys have to step up too offensively. Obi. Say that again. You guys miss Obi. Um, we do miss Obi because we don't have a backup for. Yeah, I think that's right. We need a backup for. I and think the energy. Robert... And of energy. course, I, I feel like Obi brought what New York is. He's a New York guy. Like he brought that New York energy into when he came up into the lineup and he didn't get a lot of playing time. And it is unfortunate how his situation ended with New York and how him and Tibbs got into it um, a little bit. But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing is that we don't have a backup for at this po uh, point in time. Um, Mitchell Robinson has been playing well last night. His defense was uh, amazing against Victor. Uh, I, I just think that we have pieces, but the main piece that we're, we're looking at here is the problem. And when that's, a problem and you're it, we're in such a good space it's like not that much drama going on in, in new york you know what i mean like it's not all of the extraness that is usually there but it's just this one guy not playing well and you're paying him so much money to be that focal guy it's like where do we go from here and we have a lot of draft picks at this point i think that's why we're in a good space we have draft options and draft picks from first round, second rounds, picks that we have from other teams. Like we have leverage. No, but we have leverage that um I no, I don't think that'll work. And I I think when when I thought about it, because I was on that train uh of bringing Donovan Mitchell over uh from Utah initially to New York. I was like, Yeah, you know what? He's a New York guy, this can kind of work, da da da. da. But at this point, we have Jalen Brunson, which I feel like he can do the same things, number one. But also, Donovan Mitchell isn't playing that well in an offense right now that he's supposed to be the main guy with, that they're missing some pieces. And, he's you know, Darius Garland. He's like for second, third in, this, in the league of scoring? Is his team doing well? No. Well, that, but okay. That so that, no, I don't want, I don't want, I don't hear, I don't care about any of that other shit. Oh, like, oh, I'm oh, asking. What do you bring to your team? Because he did that in Utah for the past seven years. And what did his team do? Well, first off, his, oh, team, okay, he, okay. his team had more success it, than the New York Knicks has ever had since the goddamn. That's I was fine, born. but he still didn't get anywhere. That's you. my point. We don't need to bring somebody else that's going to get us nowhere. We need somebody else that's going to take us over the hump against people like the Heat, people like the Celtics. I don't know. This is oh. what I'm trying to explain to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who we, we have leverage at this point. Like once the trade deadline happens, you know, guys start, you know, having issues in, in different spaces. And you're like, maybe this guy wants to be moved. Maybe that guy wants to be moved. There's options that we can have. But at this point, I don't know where we go from here. But I just know Julius Randle has to go. Yeah, Like he is the problem okay. that has yeah. to go. Yeah, Julius Randle, we could put this down in the little ticket there. Um, Hassan Whiteside 2.0, uh, we get all of that. It's it's sad, even though he's a little bit better version, a more tolerable version than Hassan Whiteside. <laughs> just watching Hassan Whiteside was Yo, just depressing. Matter of fact, watching Hassan Whiteside was similar to watching Ant Antoine Walker in his, like, very, very, when he had those one for 13 games and he moves like a snail. Like, yeah. Anyways, um, the question I have for you, Alicia, last one, and I'll get to my Miami Heat. Where are they going to finish in the East? I think they'll finish five or six. Wow. I think that okay. will we'll be better than the Pacers. Um, I know the Pacers are above us, the Magic. There's a lot of teams. It's, it's still early, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that are still, you know, playing well have great records, but I do think we'll, that we'll get it together. Some of these guys will start playing better offensively and we'll finish about five or six. 
let's see. I think the trade deadline also. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it it's so yeah. sad. I'm already I'm already thinking about the trade deadline, and yeah. we're only in November. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well, with my Miami Heat, um, I know Heat lifers out there. We're, we're not worried at all. I think we are still feeling great about what we did last year. What we accomplished as an eighth seed. But at the same time, too, we definitely had a lot of high aspirations of having Damian Lillard a part of our organization. I think it would have been a beautiful fit between on how he's no nonsense. He's all about basketball, and that's what the Heat culture is pretty much about. We did not have that. Now, with that being said, Tyler Hero has been playing exceptional. As you can see, he's going to be out. Hate to lose him a time by Kels, 100%. Um, he's going to be out for a while, but uh, he's starting to show – his playmaking ability, and I think that's crucial um, in regards of we know he can create his own shot. Um, the Heat really desperately needed a scorer that can create their own shot. Jimmy Butler is not that person. Jimmy Butler is more of a bully, bully ball, um, and 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 Tyler Hero compliments him. So I think the Heat are fine. Um, I think I really am excited, even though we did not get Damian Lillard. I definitely feel like. Um, Guys, calm down. We're basically top of third in the East right now. <laughs> Let's pump the brakes. We're basically top of third. Um, but I, I would be talking about trade deadline. A, perf, a person that I'm going to watch, the situation I'm going to watch, is the Chicago Bulls. And I think uh, Zach Levine playing the two guard and having Tyler Hero play the point guard, I think that is going to make the Heat one of the most – that's going to make the Heat – a very, 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 very tough team to beat. I'm not going to lie. But um, with that being said, I will tell you this. I can guarantee that the Heat will be a top four team in the East. Can't tell you where. Um, we can guarantee it. We can call that right now. We can clip this. We're almost at the hour mark. Because um, right now, the, the loss that we had, the Timberwolves, Jimmy Butler didn't play. We're still having a lot of our G League guys playing, and that's what the Heat do. The Heat start the year, they start with small little things. They ingratiate their G Leaguers or their two-way players to kind of get them acclimated, get their feet wet, little dip and dabble. Um, um, Hakeem, Jaime, um, Jaquez, if I'm pronouncing his name right, I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing his name right. I love him. Um, I think he's well beyond his years. And I think he's going to be an impact player, not necessarily on the offensive end, but just what the Heat need to do Heat things, charges, defense, et cetera, et cetera. So, guarantee you can book it top four for sure. Um, and, um, yeah, anybody want to say anything? Go ahead, Corbin, because it looks like you're chomping at the bit. <laughs> I mean, listen, actually, this is a totally random question. What do you think about the Heat's new uniforms, the Heat culture ones? I'm sorry. Take it from a guy who, who's a little bit corny himself. That's so damn corny. Like you, you said, corny. I said a little corny. You saw like the lot, like the best, the, the best fitness, most like what the fuck? Yes, I think it's that's, that's, corny. that's the culture, and they take pride in it. You know, first of all, you take pride in so much you stitch it on your clothes as you play. And, and, and I mean, mind you, I guess they did beat the Lakers that game. I'll give you that. But but this also compliments, and, and we're talking about storylines. That was the biggest storyline of last year in AC. And that biggest narrative that was hovering around the Miami Heat is the culture. And that is using Marketing 101 and just continuing to build that brand because that's what it is. And I think that's why when I'm talking about with Silver and all that good stuff, these little storylines is awesome for the game. We, we need to have that, 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 I guess we can call that fluff 
or whatever, because that has nothing to do with the schematics. And then also the undrafted players, too. That's also a story. But um, guarantee, you know, a top fourth in the East. You got any problems with that, Alicia? Uh, no, I, I'm just laughing at you not knowing your uh, draft pick's name. And he yeah, was the guy coming into I, the season. Like, he know, was that guy. Like, everyone was like, he's such a heat guy coming in. And, you know, he's going to fit in right well into the heat organization. He's, they're going to – nothing ever fall off with them. They're just going to move on like, you know, a well-oiled machine as they are. And what do the Heat do? They come back and do the same old-ish that they started with last season. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, but that's why uh, that's why there's no worry there's no fret um yeah but at what point uh, at, at what point do you want to start off well at what point do you want to say yes even though we know that we can be fine we know jimmy butler can turn it up and turn it on you know he's dealing coming back into the season just you know injuries or whatever that he's dealing with like he can come back into the season and get into mid-season form at what point do you want to start off the season with your guys looking like your guys should be and just starting off well and not They're be lackadaisical. Three. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm saying they haven't looked great. They they see they look good in four, spurts. Four and four. Four and four. They they look good in spurts. A lot of their demise they have three losses. Two of those losses has come in the fourth quarter. Um four losses. Bro, Four losses, my fault. You're right. Four losses. They're five and four. Are they five and four? Or is it four? No, four and they're four five and four. hundred ball. Okay. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So keep up. Yeah, yeah listen. I, I'm, my I'm in, uh... and one last I checked. Oh wait, I haven't. Yeah, like. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we. Um, but no, they they there's there's spurts where they they look great. Um, there's a lot of things that are fixable. Um, but when you're looking at the big spectrum of things, when you continue to do the right things more times than not, um, the results will follow. It's a matter of being consistent throughout a whole 48-minute period. And sometimes that takes a lot. And again, they have a lot of new different pieces as well. When you're losing the likes of Max Strews and Gabe Vincent that were instrumental pieces of their success last year, it's about filling in and making the rinks and repeat. And I think Josh Richardson is a great uh, an addition somebody that has been a part of the organization and um yeah like we're fine we're fine i do have one last question for for the the lakers fan up here because i really do want to know if he's just tired of getting our scraps and our scraps not being worth anything to the lakers because it's kendrick none one year and then it's gabe vincent the next gabe vincent is not going to thrive in the system there are system players and they thrive in the system um they're not going to survive in l.a so I will say this. I didn't I was hyped for Gabe Vincent just because I wanted to see what Boy you spent about how losing Gabe Vincent was great. But I gotta say, I gotta say, I mean that's the thing, it's system players for like average ball underdog stories. Like that's the Miami Heat the last like the Jimmy Brother era. Like that's what they are. But that's not I wouldn't the even point. say like, the I, Jimmy Brother era. I mean, it's pretty much you done. Uh, yeah, you had Shaq and Wade, you had the big three. I would definitely say, okay. yeah. You know, right. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that. But what I would say is this. I was not a fan of Gabe Vincent for the Lakers. I, last thing I thought that we needed, and, you know, Rob Polinka has a type, is undersized guards who aren't quite consistent scores, have a big playoff run, can't really defend their position, like, adequately. They're better team defenders than man defenders. And then you put them in a position where you're going to be guarding guards. They're going to be taller than you, too, since your best players are your four and your five. Like, mm-hmm. Like, that's just a personnel thing. Like, I would have rather gone for Max Struess. 
you get more consistent shooting. You get a bigger body. Bigger you body. know what I mean? Like, exactly. Defensively, he's going to do about the same. Like, game tries. The effort, the eye test looks good. But, like, come on now. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying, like, it looks good. Like, the, the, the results don't matter. The results don't matter in the eye test. The results don't matter in the numbers. Like, bottom line, the guy scores. But look at Gabe banging the post against Aaron Gordon or whatever. Like, whatever. You know, yeah. so, no, I, I, I will say this. You're right. Like, uh, at the end of the day, I don't, you know, run the Lakers. So, like, I have to live with the rules the team made, and just like they did with um, Kendrick Nunn, which I also – I was a little more on Kendrick Nunn because I thought we just need a guy with that iteration of the team to come off the bench and get buckets, except he didn't get buckets. And then he was yeah, so angry. Yeah, he, 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 that, was, that was tough. That's a, now he's playing in Israel situation. or something. Or not Israel, China. Where he's No, he's not. He's not in China, not in Israel. He's in – anyway, he's in another country. Bottom line, yeah. Um, like, yeah, you're right. I will give you that. Like, and that's the thing I like about the Heat, but I also think it's inferior about them. Like, I don't think it makes them well-rounded basketball players. I think it makes them players that fit the Miami Heat system. Because they're well-rounded basketball players, and they'll, for the most part, they will perform as basketball players outside the Heat system. Because they're basketball players. Like, I think the Heat, I think they came in as players, and the Heat geared them to this one specific role. And they performed various, you know, levels of adequate in that role. I think for both Struess and Vincent, they played well in the regular season. They kind of came on a tear in the playoffs. They were up and down the regular season. You would know it's better than I would. They were up and down the regular season, went on a tear in the playoffs, and just went ice cold in the finals. Like, that's what I'd say that they fit. But, like, now, I mean, Struce is doing okay in Cleveland. And Vincent's honestly been injured too much for it to really be a thing. But, mind you, shooting, and I won't – this isn't a misquote – 7% from three. And, yes, early sample size, but I can tell you all right now, it's not for lack of trying. Like – I don't know. I agree with you. I just think the Lakers need to have a better idea of what roster construction works for them. Because in my mind, taking a third guard who is undersized, who tries hard on defense but gives up a lot and isn't a great shooter, uh, with your other two guards who are also defensively challenged and good shooters, but not like – like I just yeah. – yeah. It's a lot. It's a, it's a shit show. I get it. Um, well, uh, Alicia, uh, you um, have any final words <laughs> for the beautiful audience that are listening um, for Let's Ball Out? You know, thank you guys so much for listening. We will try to be back on a consistent schedule. It's been a little bit difficult, but we are making it do what it do. So thank you guys again for listening. You can follow us individually on our socials. That'll be in the description link below. And yeah, we'll be back when we'll be back. Thank you guys and peace out.